You're listening to another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes Podcast. We're going to jump right into our show and start with our grateful moment. Philip, what are you grateful for this week? Hey, good day, everyone. I'm grateful for um, my family and my friends and this podcast, another outlet, and striving to be a better person daily. So grateful for that. Wonderful. Kelvin, what are you grateful for? Hey, what's going on, everybody? I am so grateful that I had a procedure done um, not too long ago, and it was all successful. I'm feeling better. Everything's healing properly, so I'm, I'm definitely grateful about that. Nice, nice. Um, Evan, what are you grateful for? I'm grateful because um, I've been working hard to knock off some of this weight from COVID-19 that I've gained. And I'm grateful that I'm seeing slow but consistent progress. Nice. Tish, what are you grateful for? Good evening, everyone. Um, I guess I would just have to say I'm grateful. I, I woke up this morning, I drew breath, and that's enough for me. I am with you on that. And I am grateful for, um, I am patiently, well, not very patiently, but I'm waiting for these grand jury transcripts to drop um, from the AG in Brianna Taylor, Taylor's case, because I can't wait to dive in and see what evidence was presented and what was not. And hopefully um, we can be comfortable with a just and equitable outcome, whatever that may look like. So I'm pretty excited about that. Nice, nice. We are gonna go ahead and jump into our show. I am so excited. Um, we have a special guest with us today. We have Tish Garen. Um, she is a mental health and wellness clinician, and she is the first full-time in-house mental health clinician to be hired by the National Football League. Um, she specializes in program development, life transitions, sports therapy, anxiety, depression, and professional burnout. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Tish. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thank you guys for having me. Good, good. Tell our listeners a little bit about your background, where are you from originally, um, and if you're not um, from Charlotte, how did you transition here? I am originally from Charlotte, born and raised. Um, I have been in mental health, wellness for a little over a decade um, at this point. Um, I think I'm someone who kind of always knew you know, where I'd be and what I wanted to do. Like when I was, you know, a younger kid, um, I would kind of have these dreams or fantasies of, you know, someone laying on my couch and me taking notes about what they're telling me um, in a therapy session. And lo and behold, that's exactly what I ended up doing. Except nobody lays on the couch. Um, but I, I've uh, pretty much always been doing this type of work. Um, and I, had recently transitioned um, more so into um, the athletic space and um, working with the professional football team. Um, I'm, not, I'm no longer with that team now, um, but I found that throughout 
um, my career that there were things that were just synonymous and um, standard across the board in terms of just working with people. And that is people always have life transitions. Um, people always have things that they're going through and they need to talk about or work through. And I just really want to be an advocate and an ally and a support for them to essentially help them live their best lives. So um, I'm blessed and fortunate that I get to do that. Um, I have a private practice um, where right now um, I see more black men than, I, than anything. Um, and, um, I see, I work with a lot of, uh, couples and couples counseling as well as, um, I do speaking engagements and, um, still work with, you know, colleges, um, in regards to, um, just athletics and mental health and athletics. So, um, that's pretty much it. Um, again, I, I just really love this work. I, I don't know. I couldn't really see myself doing anything else and, um, just excited to see what, what all comes uh, down the line and what comes next. Awesome. Well, well th thank you so much, Tish. One thing that I, I noticed is when, when people think about professional athletes, football, basketball, they think, you know, they just get up and they just had to go about uh, and just perform. And, and, and for the fan, my, most fans, we don't understand that they have things that they go through. And so I was reading an article um, today or yesterday uh, and Doc Rivers said it was very hard for him to coach a lot of black, uh, as a black coach, to coach his ath uh, black athletes because many of his players don't come from homes with black fathers. And so there's this natural tension that he has to learn to develop their trust. What do you see that uh, for athletes that sometimes gets in the way of the performance uh, on the field? Do I see that trust... Are you asking if, if trust um, or the lack of trust um, maybe prohibits them or limits how they perform as far as like taking direction from coaches? I'm saying just what other factors that get in the way at, on game day Sunday or whether from the ball in the hole during the week, what other factors have you seen that just get in the way or just generally get in the way for athletes besides just playing the game of basketball? Um, I guess I would have to say um, just usually things that have nothing to do with the sport itself. Um, in, in my experience, um, I feel like those were things that come up. It has nothing to do with the sport or lack of ability or it's not really necessarily a sports um, psychology type of um, issue. It, it's usually things that have to do with family, friends, loss, grief relationship issues. Um, rarely in my experience have I seen that it has anything to actually do with the sport itself. Um, so it's just the day-to-day -day stuff, the same things that multiple people, you know, go through. You know, they had um, a bad argument, you know, with their, their spouse or their girlfriend, um, or, you know, they are having issues trying to, you know, separate family and money. Um, and, and dealing with those parameters. Um, those are seem to be the things that take people out of their head or dealing with depression and anxiety and not wanting to be in the limelight, um, wanting to just kind of go do your job on the field, on the court, and then go home um, and just be whomever, just be who you are. Um, those are the things that I see that usually mess with individuals most, as well as that deep-seated trauma. Um, so lack of having a father, if that's the case, um, PTSD in general. Um, those tend to be more of the issues that I see come up um, that people are trying to grapple with and 
some some athletes have a, a a handle on it and you know can handle it. It doesn't affect them on the field, and some don't. Makes makes a lot of sense. Um, I guess my question would be as a recent uh, this this is Kelvin. Um, in the NBA bubble, you had a player like Paul George talk about how he had um, anxiety and depression um, due to the bubble. Um, you know, what kind of pressure does that type of environment bring? Or is it, you know, what, was, what, what do you think uh, if you just had diagnosed Paul George, just hypothetically, or, or just players in general in the bubble? Um, why do some so many of them suffer from depression and anxiety from that situation? Well, I don't think um, my thought process is, is is that they're not all of them aren't necessarily experiencing that, or not even probably the vast majority. Um, mm -hmm. I think there are some feelings of isolation, um, but in in a, maybe in Paul George's case, um, you know, just the feeling um, that the depressing feeling of, you know, being isolated. I think it really just kind of has to do with what your norm is. You know, if you're someone that's used to, you know, having a lot of, you know, interaction with family or with significant others or with friends, and then that's all of a sudden, and that's kind of heavy in your identity. And if that's all of a sudden stripped away, then, you know, yeah, that's going to be hard to kind of cope, especially if you don't have any, you know, other coping skills. And so one of the things that I work with, you know, players on, is this idea around cognitive entrenchment, meaning this is, you, you've always done this one thing. You've always played football, you know, from the time you were a child to the time you were an adult, you've never done anything different. Someone was always telling you where to be, where to eat, when to work out, when to do all these things. And so that kind of creates the thought process around, I don't know what else to do and I don't have any other skills. And I think that also kind of leads to, you know, depression. So it's very important for athletes to do things um, to find other interests. Um, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, I know a lot of them play video games. I hate to use that one, but <laughs> even if it's, you know, um, writing poetry or art or painting, or um, I remember I worked with one player and um, he wanted to become a pilot. So he started taking lessons in the off season. Um, so anything else that will, you know, grab your attention, if you want to be a chef or learn to cook, you know, you, it's important to start, you know, cultivating other skills and other um, interests so that when what you are used to is kind of stripped away, um, whether it's temporarily or long-term, that it doesn't break you, that it doesn't cause that depression. So I think in his um, situation, just because he's in the bubble, um, if you don't have any of anything else outside of, you know, just playing basketball to kind of keep your interest and um, that you can kind of look forward to, it will, you know, breed depression. Gotcha. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, hey, Tish, this is Philip. Um, I, well, I'm doing a little research for this, and I found that it's almost one in five persons deal with some mental issues, and about 35% of professional athletes deal with some type of mental health. Um, those num numbers are staggering. Um, what are the things that these athletes deal with day to day, and how could they, and do they feel um, less than superhuman? when they come to you? Um, the things that I see day to day that athletes deal with are the same things that anyone else deal with day to day. If you just remove the fact that they're athletes and you just look at them as men or as women, um, it's really all the same. Um, you know, I was asked 
before by someone else. Um, you know, when I'm working with athletes or celebrities, you know, do I feel like intimidated or, you know, am I like starstruck? And the answer is no, I've yet to feel that way. Um, and I think the reason is, is because I look at them, they're people, they're people, same as anyone else, just a little bit more limelight, maybe a lot more money, but they're people. Um, and I think that's the thing that, you know, sometimes um, outsiders or, or people that are, are looking at these superstars um, or these, you know, high profile athletes, they forget that that's a person. Um, this is their job, but they still have a life. They still have family, friends, struggles, um, pitfalls, um, peaks, just as everyone else does. Um, and I, and I, that's what I kind of always keep with me. Um, and so just trying to make sure that, you know, anyone I work with feels that support and know that they are supported day in and day out. And if they have an issue that they need to address, that they can reach out, that we can process it, we can come up with a plan. Um, and we can kind of strategize on a way to make sure that, you know, they're balanced and that they feel safe and whole and healthy. Um, and then that's just the, the main, that's the most important part for me mm-hmm. is to making sure that they feel whole and healthy. Um, so a lot of things I see are really just the same as anyone else, as a regular man on the street, um, just because they have, you know, some celebrity or because they, you know, might have a certain income doesn't mean that they are, um absent from the same issues that anyone else faces. All right, thanks. Thank you for that um, perspective. And, and I think what should be highlighted is that there are people too, when you take the athlete away, I mean, what they do for a living away, they're no different than we are. Um, based on your experience with professional athletes, would you say it is more common that they enter with some mental health issues or that these issues develop as a result of the game and the pressure that's laid upon them to perform? Um, I think it can, and sometimes it's a combination. Um, some of it just might be things that are related to the game. Um, but in in my experience, most of it, uh, like I said, um, I think in the, in the first second question, um, it's just things that have to do with the outside world. It has nothing to do with the relative sport. Um, I think there are some athletes that are just used to performing at a high level and know how to handle it um, and are very well-versed and balanced and can just go out there, perform, you know, um, at an elite level and still, you know, go home and cook dinner, right? Um, I think it really just kind of depends on the person um, and what they value most. Um, I remember speaking um, to a player and um, he said to me, you know, I think his position or something was changing. And he was just like, you know what, it's really all good. And he was like, um, because he's not, that does not define him. The sport did not define him. It's just what he did. It wasn't who he was. So he's like, you know, I've got, you know, kids and wife and a great life to go home to at the end of the day. And he's like, this is just what I do. Like, it doesn't define who I am. So I really think it just kind of depends on the individual's perspective um, and how much of the sport um, is their life. Again, there are a lot of athletes that I've 
you know, worked with and, and counseled um, where it's their job and they love it and, you know, they love doing it, but it's just not all of who they are. Wow. Wow. So that's a great answer. Uh, I love your perspective that you're giving. Um, so one thing that kind of came to my mind as I listen to you talk, I'm thinking about um, sometimes athletes, you know, especially later in life or sometimes the, the strongest athletes that get caught in these legal cases and things going on in their life. And I think sometimes we do a bad job, and this isn't just us as fans, but here in America, where sometimes we criminalize people with mental health issues or we we penalize them. And I'm not saying what anything they've done is right, particularly when it's related to violence towards women, but what can we do to help well, let me ask this. The NFL has a policy where if you do anything, you know, it's it's like suspension. Is that the healthiest, most holistic approach? And do they also, in your experience, I don't know if, well, do they also, in your experience, try to provide mental health counseling or services to athletes who find themselves in legal trouble because they did something they should not have done? Yes. That's the short answer. Um, <laughs> Yes. So if someone, regardless of the sport, whether it's football, basketball, hockey, baseball, um, there are so many services that are available for athletes. Um, so if someone does, you know, has a domestic violence issue, for example, um, yes, they're going to be penalized, um, you know, from the sport, which I understand and, I, and I'm not against. Um, but then there are also going to be options for them to seek counseling, to go to drug treatment classes or um, decision-making classes or whatever they feel like they need or would benefit from. Um, I think I look at it as the same way as anyone else that worked in like a regular job. Let's say you work in banking, and if you were to get arrested and get charged with DUI, you're probably going to get suspended or fired too. Um, so there's, there really isn't any difference. Um, I think, you know, you just want to make sure that in addition to if that person has to face any kind of um, punishment, I guess I hate to use that word, but any kind of repercussions um, for the actions that they did um, or the actions that they have taken, you want to also make sure that you're giving them some type of support. So the same way, like I said, if that person that works at a bank got a DUI, they might get suspended from work or fired from work, but they'll also have an EAP where they can go and get treatment, right, or they can seek counseling. So I look at it the same way with, you know, any athlete. You want to make sure that um, you don't just penalize someone or, you know, you punish them without giving them um, ways to better themselves. Just, I really like the way you, you, the way you think about this, but... Um, me in my life, I've, I've dealt with a lot of different, um, athletes and even some stars. And I wonder, is it really realistic to try to deal with them all the same? Uh, like when I think of like LeBron or AI or, um, Michael Jordan, um, these guys, basketball is pretty much, you know, what defines him. I remember dealing with AI every day because he was AI, no matter where he goes, no matter what he does it's AI to basketball player. And I can imagine that being overwhelming. So is it levels to this or you do really try to deal with every athlete the same? 
despite their stardom? In terms of my approach? Right, exactly. Yes, I, I, I approach them all as they are people. I don't approach them as you are, example, AI, the basketball player, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I recognize that's the job that they do, and that's what they have to do day in and day out. But I have yet to have um, an athlete come to me, speak to me, and they wanted to talk about their sport. Like, that has yet to happen. They always want to talk about things that have nothing to do with the sport itself. Um, so I, I think, again, it just kind of depends, you know, on the person. I think you can be, you know, a star-studded athlete and this is, and you do this every day, day in and day out, but there should also be something else that you find joy in. Where I see athletes struggle is when this is the only thing that you find joy in. So when that thing goes away, now you feel empty. Now you're having suicidal thoughts. Now you feel depressed. Now you're anxious. Now you don't know where you fit in because you didn't necessarily, you know, value family or friends or cultivate those types of relationships, or you didn't look for other interests that, you know, could also drive you in something else that you could also be good at. Um, you mentioned Michael Jordan. That's a great example. Mike and jo- Michael Jordan played professional basketball and baseball. So one didn't necessarily define him because he wanted to be great at other things. So for me, it's, okay, I'm coming to you as a person. I would come to you just as Michael, not as Michael Jordan. And I would talk to you as Michael, not as Michael Jordan. Um, And for me, that's kind of been um, what has really much been the same, you know, and and I think um, from the athletes that I've worked with that they find comfort in that um, because I'm not looking at them based off of, you know, what they Google, how much they make. It makes no difference to me. Um, It's, this is you come to me for help and I want to make sure that you're good when you leave my office. And that's the approach that I, I always take. And I've seen like, I've seen AI on, on, on the boardwalk here at university. <laughs> um, he is very much who he is, but there's not an ego or necessarily like an air about, it, right. At least again, mm-hmm. I've never had a conversation with a man in my life, but just based off what I've seen, you know, him in random places, um, he's very much a person of the community, right? And this is just who he is, and he does regular things like everyone else. Um, and so I, I like to think that for a lot of them, um, you know, if they have an issue, if they have something that they want to work through, that they, you know, would seek out someone um, that can help them through that as a person, not as the superstar. Now, just a follow-up to that. Um, do you feel, do you ever notice that athletes come to you a lot of times because um, their family and their environment begins to treat them different and put different expectations on them because of their stardom, because of their success, and because of their, uh, you know, their pockets? Well, I will say survivor's remorse is real. Um, it's real. Um, and you have, you know, athletes that don't know how to separate. Um, and they begin to feel that pressure. Um, and I'll use, you know, football. I mean, independent, like if you're not a, if you're a free agent or if you're, you know, undrafted, um, you might ne- not necessarily be getting that same amount of, that game check is going to look different from you than that first round drafted player, right? Right. Um, but your family 
isn't necessarily thinking about that. They're just thinking, oh, you're in the NFL. Right, right. You got it made. Mm-hmm. And that money is short. It's not long money for a lot of these guys. Um, it's a good living. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I, I think sometimes families and significant others, they put those um, pressures on them and, and they feel those, and sometimes they feel that pressure where it's like, I got to do this. I got to succeed. Um, I can't get injured. You know, I got all these people looking at me um, or looking to me to, you know, make their lives better. And on some degree, you might be able to do that. But there are a lot of guys in professional sports, um, specifically in uh, when I guess I'm just kind of thinking about contracts across multiple sports, but for like football, um, where they really can't do that. You know, they can't take care of, you know, my my brother and his wife and his four kids and my sister is a single mom and her three boys like plus my mom and you know like that's that's three four different households plus your own children how long is that money gonna last um so i i always encourage athletes to you know really hold their family members accountable just because you made it and you're doing something that doesn't mean that they just get to sit on the couch and do nothing and just wait for you to bring home a check. Everybody got to have a job. Everybody needs to be held accountable. Everyone needs to be doing something with their own life. And it's not to say that you can't help your family and you can't, you know, um, support them and, and, and spoil them. But they're, they're, in a lot of situations, there needs to be some parameters. There needs, there needs to be limits. Um, and some athletes um, follow that guideline. And some, you know, blow their money within the first couple of years. And you see those stories. Yeah, definitely. Wow. And um, I appreciate, I really appreciate your time and sitting down and talking to us. I have a kind of two-part two part question. Um, my first one is, how young do you think um, an athlete should seek counseling? I know the college level, they're starting to um, utilize it. And even the high school level, they're starting to see you know, mental health issues. Um, how young uh, you think they should start? And my second question um, is, my second question, I'm sorry, is what would you like everyone know or inform our audience about mental health and uh, as a professional athlete, how it goes hand in hand? Um, I would say I don't think there's a, a too young of age. I, well, I take it back. I will say if you, and I've had parents contact me and they're like, hey, you know, I see, you know, you work with athletes from, you know, a psychotherapeutic perspective. I want you to see my child. She's seven and she's a gymnast. And that's not so much a child issue as that is a, probably a parenting issue. Mm-hmm. Nine times out of ten, it's something that has to do with the parent. Um, the parent's um, ability to, you know, realize that their child might want to do something different or just being too forceful. So I don't think, um, but I, I think as you get older, um, you know, I think it's fine to seek out therapy. I think it's encouraged. I look at um, therapy as something that you need, that everyone needs, no matter if you're an athlete or not. Everyone needs someone that they can just kind of check in with, almost kind of like an accountability partner. You know, you don't have to see them every week, but um, I encourage um, people to have a therapist that they reach out to, you know, hey, let's do a monthly check-in. The same way that you would go and see your primary care physician, you know, every couple of months or you get blood work, you know, we kind of need to think about our mind and our mental health in the same way, you know, so have a therapist that you could at least have identified and then, you know, just set up, you know, heck, quarterly, 
if you don't really have a lot of issues going on, um, set up, you know, quarterly sessions, monthly sessions, you know, um, just as a check-in. Um, as I said earlier, you know, right now in my practice, what I'm seeing is I have more Black men um, as clients than anyone else. Um, and I don't know if it's just a combination of, you know, COVID or um, because of the systemic racism that we're seeing um, or a combination of all of that. Um, mm. But I just think it's important for you to have, you know, someone that you can just kind of check in with and process everything that's going on so that you can stay in a good headspace. And then, I'm sorry, the second part of your question, repeat that for me. And my second question is, what would you like our audience know, to know about mental health and the professional athlete, how they go hand in hand? Um, I, I guess I, I would want people to take away from this is, um, it sounds corny, but professional athletes are people like you and I, like the fans that cheer them on. Um, they need the support. Um, they need the help and assistance. And I think a lot of times, and we've seen it in like celebrity outside of like athletes, when I think of like the Whitney Houston's and I think of, um, you know, so many like celebrities that, you know, succumb to pressure, Amy Winehouse, um, that just succumbed and didn't seek help and felt like, or maybe felt like they couldn't seek help because of who they were. Um, that's something I really work hard to try to um, banish that thought that no one is above seeking help at no matter how much money you make, no matter how famous you are. Um, you know, one of my favorite celebrities um, is Beyonce. I'm a huge Beyonce fan and I remember um, like during her the on the run tour with her husband, they took a marriage counselor because they were working together, they were touring, like that's a lot. And I think that just comes as much that no one is above it. If you need help and you want to be in a mentally and a emotionally good space, mm -hmm. that you know, seek the help so that you can be there. Um, no one is above approach. No one. I'm, I've been a therapist for some therapists. Um, like no one is above you know getting help and seeking assistance. That's really, really great advice. Um, and thank you for that perspective. Um, as we wrap up this interview, I wanted to ask you in particular, have you dealt with um, athletes that were dealing with imposter syndrome? And um, what steps, I guess, would you recommend for someone to try to get past that? Um, the answer to that is yes. Um, and as far as steps that um, I, I typically recommend, um, in addition to like weekly therapy, um, just like or, or weekly check-ins, you can call it, you know, whichever, um, it, it's more of them getting through the idea that they belong, um, that they belong where they are, right? That they've claimed this spot, they've earned this position, that you are actually meant to be here. Um, I think sometimes when, you know, I, I've talked to players that have, you know, imposter syndrome, it's like they're still in shock. Um, and that's just what, like, they're just like, I really can't believe I made it here. And, you know, um, and they have problems kind of trying to um, accept that. 
And then they start to feel like maybe I don't belong here. Maybe I'm not as good as I, I think I am. And then that's where I can kind of see, you know, some of the sports psychology, you know, things need to kind of come in. Um, but I think that kind of plays hand in hand with just working with them to understand what led up to that space, what led you to this um, path and to you achieving, you know, this very high level of, you know, success. Um, a lot of times I think it just needs to be reinforced um, and they really need to honestly pat them, themselves on the back. Like, you know, sometimes it's good to look in the mirror and say, you know what, I'm, I'm pretty dope. Like, say what you want, but I'm kind of all right. I'm nice. Like, sometimes we need to tell that to ourselves. Um, and and I, I've tried to work with athletes that, that have that issue and just remind them, like, let's look at the evidence. Let's look at what you've been able to achieve at, at each stage of your life, you know, that kind of propels you propels you to this level you know when you had your friend that was working out you know twice a twice a week you're working out two hours a day you mm -hmm. know um five days a week you know there are certain things that you did that prove that you should be here and that you should belong absolutely thank you so much for that and thank you so much for coming on um your perspective you are so insightful and it's really good to have the opportunity, you know, to speak to someone in mental health who's dealing with our athletes. And so thank you for your time. Um, thank you guys for having me. I really enjoyed it. Great questions. Great questions. Of course. And we hope um, sometime in the future we can have you back as a guest again, if your schedule permits. Yeah, sure thing. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes. Please remember to follow us, like, share. We are on Facebook and Instagram. Our Facebook handle is at a lady and that is the and sign, some dudes. Our handle on Instagram is a lady and some dudes. Everything is spelled out. So that's a lady, A and D, some dudes. Until next time.